What I want to really talk to you about this morning is love out loud. <laughs> Have you ever loved somebody but you hesitated to tell them? You know, he's kind of kept it quiet, you know. Well, when God loved us, he loved us out loud, did he not? His son Jesus was beaten publicly, brutally, and, you know, nailed to a cross for the, the watching world to see. So God loved us out loud, and he is definitely not ashamed of us, his children. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit uh, this morning as I'm kind of de developing this concept. Oh, but I want to tell you something. And, uh, you know, I, I read a book, oh, quite a few number years ago. I don't remember how many it was now, but when it first came out, and uh, there were some people left the church when they found out that I'd read the book. But I'm not going to tell you what book it was. I'm teasing. I'm going to tell you all about it. It's called The Shack. Anybody here read The, the Shack? Oh, I can't believe you'd read such a book. That's what they told me. It's like, you know, in the shack, and let me explain it, because it came out in a movie on Friday, and I've already went and saw the movie too, okay? It was awesome. Now, do y'all think I have a, at least a basic understanding of this book? Okay, so it's not that I'm against theology. It's not that I don't understand biblical truths, you know, of the Trinity, but in the book, and in the movie, God is portrayed as a very enthusiastic, excited black woman. Now, I know that theologically and relationally that God is a father. I understand that. But this is a book. This is a story. And what the people who got upset with me about the book, you know, I can't believe it. It's like, you know, they say, well, well, God's not a woman. Well, number one, if you study the father, he's also referred to as the breasted one. To be honest with you, he's mother and father. He's everything that we ever need him to be, if you get back to the original Hebrew with the thing, okay? But I know he's my father. I understand that. But what a lot of people didn't understand about this book is the book is a story about a guy, and he grew up and become a man, but he had an absolutely atrocious, violent dad himself who was an alcoholic and who beat him and his mama. So in the book, God chose, and in the movie, God chose to reveal himself to this guy in the form of a, a friend that he had when he was a young kid, a, a woman, a very jovial, loving, compassionate Christian black woman in their community, that God revealed himself to this guy as that woman because this guy had absolutely no respect or no use for a fatherly figure because he had such a bad one. Does that make sense so far? But then he was revealed as, as a man, as a father later on in the story. So if somebody was to bother to read the rest of the book, you'd find out, oh, wow, I see that God met this guy where he was at. Now, in, in my Bible... On one occasion, as God, we, we see a trinity represented that the Holy Spirit appeared in the form of a dove. Is that correct? 
you get bent out of shape about that? When you see a dove flying through the air, do you pray to it? No. God can do whatever he jolly well pleases. The book, personally, and I don't read a book other than the Bible, but one time, I read this one three times. I'm just telling you, to me personally, it, had, it offered something that strengthened my relationship with God my Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son, Jesus. It strengthened me. When we came home, and I, I disappeared for a while. I was so inspired by it, I just hung out upon my mountain. You know, actually on a little piece of ragged mountain, and I went up there, and guess who I saw up there? First, I saw a raccoon. <laughs> he was sneaking up behind me, you know, but I encountered God up there. You think that's possible? So how do you know it was? I know my wife, I know my sons, I know my daughter, and I know God, okay? Now, you may not know these are my family members, but I know them, all right? And an awesome encounter with, with God. And over the years, my kids have often told me, because I've often gone up on the mountain uh, for hours, you know, and I use it at night and just wander around on the mountain up there, you know, for miles and, and pray and have an encounter with God. And my kids would often tell me, when I said, hey, hey, Dad, would you tell God I said hello? I, I don't know if you understand this or not, but God is real. He's not just a clever idea or a thought, you know, but he's, he's real. And God has loved us out loud. Now, you may have been at some point in time ashamed of a member of your family. That is possible. But God is not ashamed of you. And some of you have done some really stupid stuff. Some of us have done some really stupid stuff. <laughs> but God is not ashamed to say, that's my boy, that's my girl. You know what I'm saying? He loves us out loud. When the sun rises in the morning, he's loving us. And he's forgiven us. And he loved us out loud when Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins so we can maintain an awesome, fantastic relationship with God. So I just want to tell you that. You know, we really wasn't asking your permission to go see the movie or to read the book. I was just letting you know I done done it, okay? And if you don't like it, I'll pray for you, Okay. Tonight, when I go up on my mountain, I'll pray for you, okay? All right. Anyhow, I'd like us to start in the book of Mark, chapter 12. It says, one of the religion scholars came up. Now, Jesus was in a discussion with some other religious guys and all, and they were trying to catch him in something and twist it and use it against him. And there was all kinds of things always going on. But here's one of the religion scholars came up hearing the lively exchanges of question and answers and question and answer and seeing how sharp, I mean, he was sharp as a tack, seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers, the, the religious scholar put in his question. And he says, which, he's asking Jesus, which is the most important of all the commandments. And Jesus said, the first in importance is, listen Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
So love the Lord God. Now, a lot of people think that the Trinity is really complicated and confusing. I don't see it as that way. I see it pretty simple, to be honest with you. The Bible says when a man and a woman get married, they become uh, one. Do their bodies just kind of morph together and it's just one big body now? No. They become one in thought and purpose and intent and, and all that. And, and a kid comes and says, hey, mama, can I go and so-and-so and so-and-so? And she, she, she's going to say what? Yeah. Ask dad. Or what did your dad say? You, you, you guys, you have to, mama, you, you got to hook up with each other. Because mom can say, oh, yeah, go ahead. And then dad can say, I told him he couldn't go. See, that's not good. See, the Bible says husband and wife get married, they become one. And they raise your kids as one. And mom and dad talks about it. So it's always in our house. I was like, well, what'd your mama say? Well, you go talk to your mom. Well, go, what'd your dad say? Go talk to your dad. So we are one. And that's the way God, the three are one. I mean, you remember when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist? And there was a, the Holy Spirit, and he revealed himself in the form of a dove, so they'd understand that, was coming down from heaven. And what else happened? A voice from heaven. So this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. That's in Matthew 3.16. All three of those were, were, were seen there, you know. But anyhow, it says here, the, the religious scholar said, which is the most important of all the commandments? And Jesus said, well, the first in importance is, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one, so love the Lord God Sometimes we go by that so fast, we miss it. Jesus said, here is the most important commandment of all. Love the Lord God with all your passion, with all your fervor, you know, with all your delight and uh, all your zeal and enthusiasm. Love him with all that you are. That's what Jesus is telling them right here. And I don't know if you understand passion or not, but there's one thing I've come to appreciate over the years of being in ministry, and that when you find a person who can serve in any area of ministry with passion, it's not work. It's like, I get to do this? It's not. When you're serving and if, and if it's a staff member who actually gets paid, I get to do this and get paid too. When a, when a person serves in, in an area of the, that they're passionate about, I mean, they go beyond the call of duty. They work longer hours. They, they accomplish more because they're passionate about it. It comes from the heart. You see, there's a difference. And boy, if you don't have a passion for something that you have to do, you know, an eight-hour day seems like a month long, you know. Oh, which uh, brings up, uh, you, you know, if, you know, elevator's working, right? Actually came up it a while ago. You know, it's cool. Sometimes we play on it and stuff like that. Don't tell the kids I said that, though, okay? But you know something that happened unexpected to me? Now, we haven't totally paid the whole thing off yet. We'd like to get that done pretty soon, but... What I was blessed by, uh, a lot of the men who 
have businesses and they're carpenters and electricians and plumbers and they do a little bit of everything when you know we, we hired people to come in and do it and and when they send us their bills a lot of them say oh, I'm gonna charge you for that I'm not gonna charge you for that I'm not gonna charge you for that I'm not going I didn't ask them to do that men have you know contributed their time and that's extremely valuable their energy their resources they've done that because they understood to manage this project and to work on this project is not just to build a building, it's making a difference in so many other people's lives who can get in here now who couldn't get in here before. That makes sense. They were doing it out of passion. So there's a difference between doing something with passion and just doing something that's a job, you know. And we're thrilled with that. I mean, I was absolutely surprised and shocked and delighted. You know, they put so much of their heart and their soul into this project. And I was just so, so thankful. Well, let me go back here. The uh, religious leader asked him, which is the most, or the religious uh, scholar asked him, what's the most important of all commandments? And Jesus said, the first in importance is, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, so love the Lord God with all your passion. Hmm. And, and this is talking about perfect sincerity. And, uh, whoops, ooh, I hope I didn't break that. And I'm just going to apologize right off the bat. This is a candy dish, and I don't have enough for everybody, okay? Can y'all see that from there? What is that? It's a heart. That's kind of cute, ain't it? Hmm. Very chewy. Hmm. Excuse me, ma'am. Breakfast of champions. How, how well do you think you would do if that's what your heart looked like? If you only had half a heart, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It wouldn't be good. When it talks about loving God here with all your passion, it's talking about wholehearted, undivided. Now, let me ask you a question. For your significant other in your life, your husband, your wife, is it okay if they love you half-heartedly and they give their heart to somebody, half of it to somebody else? Is that okay? You don't care for that, do you? Excuse me just a moment. This is going to be a long sermon by the time I get through all these candies here. <laughs> the sacrifices you guys make for us here, I tell you. Okay. I just wanted to put the heart back together, so I'm sure they're together again down here, you know? 
So anyhow, let me read you a verse in the Bible. It says, Proverbs 4, and I'm going to come back here to uh, Mark. It says, Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart. You know? Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. And we have learned over the years the way we guard our heart is by guarding what goes in our eyes, what goes in our ears, because our eyes and our ears are gateways to our heart. That's how stuff gets in your heart. Through what you see and through what you hear, you know. So it says here, it says, above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. And you know that if your heart ain't doing too good, the rest of you ain't doing too good, right? If your heart is doing really well, I mean, it helps the rest of your body to do well if you've got a good, strong heart. So it says, above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. Don't get sidetracked keep your feet from following evil hmm. You know what this is? It's an awesome compass. I mean, it is an awesome compass. It really is. What does a compass do? Gives us direction. Helps us so we don't get sidetracked. I read about a guy years ago, and he was on a boat. And on this old wooden boat, they had a compass mounted on the boat. This is a wooden boat in years gone by. And the compass was up kind of on the, the back, of, I believe it was the back of the ship, where the captain, he steered, you know, from. And it was on a wooden post up, you know, and it protected it and kept it away from anything that would hurt it. And uh, there was one of the um, sailors' responsibility, you know, part of swabbing the deck and cleaning the thing, he would keep the compass in good repair and clean it and all. And one day, he was cleaning all the dirt. There's glass here. He was cleaning the dirt that was between the glass and the brass right there. And he was cleaning that out, and he took his pocket knife and an old rag, like a, a handkerchief or something, bandana or something, and he put his rag in there, and he, he was cleaning the dirt around the groove and got it out. And accidentally and unknowns to him, it broke the teeny tiniest tip off of his knife. And it was wedged in the crack there. I mean, not a big chunk. It was obvious. Just a teeny tiny piece where his knife went through the cloth, got caught in there, and when he was moving, it broke just a teeny tiny tip off. What happened is the way they discovered it is that the ship, where it was supposed to land, the ship went aground, it had a terrible accident, and some people died on it, and they were 350 miles off course. How in the world can they get so far off course? Well, in the, the entire journey, when your compass is off just a wee bit, you know, well, right here, if you're only going to go a mile, you might be, you know, 10 foot off. But if you're going to go 1,000 miles, 
Woohoo! You know. So anyhow, what happened is they were sidetracked. They got way off course. Now, is it possible for you and I to get off course? Have you ever gotten off course? You know? That kind of stuff, it really does happen, you know, to us. But a compass holds true when it's kept from things that distract it. And you and I hold true when in our relationship with God, if, if we're kept, you know, if I love the Lord with all my passion, I love him wholeheartedly, not divided. But for something is stealing my, a little bit of my attention from God, I can, just a little bit, I can, I can get off course. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, it says, it says, so now Israel, what do you think God expects from you? Question mark. Just this. Live in his presence. And let me tell you something about the presence of God. If you ever become aware of the presence of God, it's life-changing. It says, in his presence is fullness of joy. When you recognize you're in the absolute presence of Almighty God, you're satisfied, you're, you're fulfilled, you, you, you're where you want to be. In the presence of God, in his presence is fullness of joy. It's like you don't get no better than that. Knowing that God is there and he loves you and everything's okay and no matter what's going on, it's okay because God's there, see. And he says here, so now Israel, what do you think God expects from you? Just this, live in his presence, in holy reverence. And reverence is talking about respect and, and admiration. It's talking about worship and awe, adoration, amazement, you know. Live in his presence. What he's telling us here, in holy, in holy reverence. That word is translated often as the fear of God, but it's talking about this, this awe, this respect, this amazement, if you would, astonishment. It says, follow the road that he set out for you. Do you believe that God has set a road for you? Do you ever ask him to lead you and guide you in the best pathway for your life? Or do you ever come at the end of the day or the end of the week and say, oh, Lord, I sure went the wrong way today. I sure wish I listened. Because we have the ability, do we not, to ignore God and go what, and do what we want to do. Have you ever noticed that? You can do that. But he says right here, it says, in holy reverence, follow the road he set out for you. Love him. Serve him. When you talk about loving and serving, you're talking about worshiping him. But see, worship is more than just singing songs to God. You, you may have heard somebody say, well, uh, it's time to worship the Lord with our tithes and our offering, right? Or, or you, you worship God in, in many different ways. It's not just lifting your voice to him. And he says, follow the road he, set, he sets out for you. Love him, serve God, your God, with everything you have in you. Now, we're talking about passion here. Serve the Lord, love the Lord, worship the Lord with everything that is within you. Remember what the question was, 
The religious scholar was asking Jesus, what is the most important commandment there is? And Jesus has started off saying, to love the Lord God, your God, really, with all your passion. That's how far we've gotten so far. But let me continue over here in Deuteronomy when it says, you know, he sets, follow the road that he sets out for you, love him, serve him, your God, with everything you have in you. Verse 13 says, obey the commandments and regulations of God that I'm commanding you today. Live a good life and look around you. And, and you can do that with me right now. Just look, look, look around, you know. And think about on your way in this morning, you probably, if you drove, you were probably looking around and you saw mountains and trees and streams and sunshine and, you know, all kinds of things. And it didn't feel like spring, but it kind of looked like it, you know, because temperature will get warmer eventually, I'm sure. But anyhow, it says in verse 14, look around you. Everything you see is God's. Everything you see is God's. The heavens above and beyond. The earth and everything on it. Everything you see and beyond is God's. And Jesus is telling this religious you know, scholar, here he says, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your passion. The, the, the one who owns everything, you know, the heavens and beyond and the earth and everything, you know, love him with all your passion is what Jesus is telling this religious leader here, you know. So, in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer. And this particular passage here is talking about including your, your, your soul, your, your emotional nature and all. And, and then he goes on you know, and, and with your utmost fervor. And then he says, love the Lord your God with all your passion, all your, your prayer and intelligence. Is anybody here who, who, who's here today is an intelligent person? One and a half. Okay. Two. Okay. Well, what he's talking about here is to love him with your, 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 your mind and your thoughts. Does anything grab your thoughts and minds at times? You know, if, I mean, you might be here looking at me, but you're thinking about vacation or something or another. Is that possible? You know, it can happen. But he says, so love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Talking about our our bodily powers and all, you know. And there was a, a kid once who had been asked, it was probably by a Sunday school teacher, I think, and she was saying, well, what does it mean to love God with all your strength? Because in the King James Bible, that's what it says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And he said, well, to love God with all my strength, is it kind of like, he said, he said, we live on the fourth floor, and me and my mama do, and we heat our home with coal. And the coal was stored in the basement. And my mom was so busy, and she's pretty weak anyhow. He says, but my job is I keep the coal bin, the coal box upstairs in our kitchen, I keep it full. And we don't have an elevator, so I have to carry it in a bucket all the way up those four flights of stairs. But my mama has never seen that box empty. 
Is that kind of like loving her with my strength? I think it was a pretty wise kid, don't you think so? So if we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our passion, with all of our heart, with all of our prayer, with all of our soul, with all of our, our mind, with all of our intelligence, with, with all of our energies and our strength, you know, it, it's not near as complicated as we thought. And Jesus is telling this religious leader, he says the most important commandment is to love the Lord God with all your passion, prayer, intelligence, and energy. He's talking about that love to God and, 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 and there are no rivals. You understand rivalry? You know, two guys like the same girl. There's a rivalry there. Is a, and you understand this. Does, does God have... all of your heart? Or do you give God half of your heart? You think about that for a moment. I was just going to lay it in there, but I don't put them back together. Just a minute. You talking about a food that will stick to your ribs? Mm. I'm sure this one does because it's sure sticking to my teeth. Okay, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. Not half-hearted, not a divided allegiance and a divided heart. There's no rivals who are taking part of you away. So, there's no issues in your life that's more important and more critical than you loving God. And so Jesus answered the religious scholar, what's the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord with all your passion. With all that you are, love him that way. Truett Cathy, does anybody know who Truett Cathy is? A few of you know? Truett Cathy is an extraordinarily successful businessman who has done some very unusual things. As some of you know, Truett is the founder of Chick-fil-A. You know, it's a restaurant chain. And even though it cost him millions and millions of dollars, all of his, and this article is somewhat old, so I'm not sure how many, but I know it's a lot more, because we see them popping up all kinds of places. But when this article was written, he had a 1,000 restaurants, okay? And he lost millions and millions of dollars. You know, all of his 1,000 restaurants are closed on what day? Sunday. On Sundays. It is that important to him to honor the Lord's Day. And he did not want any of his employees to ever have to wrestle with what a lot of people do. It's like, well, I got a choice of working and paying my bills or going to church. And they said, if I don't work on Sundays, they're going to fire me. He never, ever wanted God to hear somebody say that about his business. I'm just telling you. That was his core values. So, uh, 
when he first started his restaurant chain during the days of segregation, he took a very unpopular stand as he made it a point to hire people irrespective of their race. That decision cost him a lot of business, but he didn't care. He wanted to do the right thing no matter what the cost. He also took the unusual step of setting aside some of, <coughs> excuse me, some of his profits to develop a successful foster home system for orphan children. Truett Cathy did these things and many other things for one reason and one reason alone. He wanted to obey the greatest of all commandments, to love God and to love God's people. Regardless of what the consequences was, he was loving God and people out loud. Even to the point that you know about it, you know. You've heard about it. He, he, he loved and still does out loud. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, this is in the message, it says, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. Christ's love compels me, has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in what? In everything we do. Does God's word, does God's love have the first and the last word in everything you do? Are you thinking about how much you love him and there's no rivals, there's no sidetracking? Are you loving God with all of your passion and all of that you are? Or it's just like, well, yeah, it's kind of nice if you can do it, but if you can't do it, we just can't do it. Anyhow, we see that Truett Cathy, he loved God, and God's love had the first and the last word in everything Truett did. He had core values that he would not compromise on no matter what. That's just the truth of it. Goes on to say, our firm decision is to work from this focused center, one man died for everyone, that puts everyone in the same boat. And we all need a Savior. And Jesus is willing to save all people, you know. He goes on to say in verse 15, he included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. Resurrection life. And do you know that resurrection power is available to you and me today? Resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. And, and when you love God with all of your passion, like we were reading about, you will have a far better life than if you just kind of live it on your own. You know, just doing what seems right in your own eyes. You know, you, you live it in a way that puts the most important commandment first, that you love God with all that you are, he tells us here, you will have a far better life than people ever lived on their own. You ever been in love? Think about it for a moment. When you fell in love with your significant other, you know, think about this. Something changed. Something within you made you maybe bring her flowers. How many of you ever brought your wife flowers? Go to the forest and go broke around here. <laughs> I know you brought her a box of candy or something else that she liked. I understand that. Okay. But you understand the concept. When you love somebody, 
You know, something within you makes you call her, you know, all the time. You know, when Susan and I were engaged, you know, and uh, we were get married and go to Bible school. And I was working, you know, out of town trying to make as much money and save as I could. And we didn't have cell phones in those days. Lord have mercy, we didn't have a FaceTime and Skype or nothing like that. I actually would call her on a pay phone. You know, I'd call her on the weekends. I'd save all my change and I'd talk to her on the, uh, the pay phone. And after a while, you don't know what else to say, you know. And, you, and it's just like we would just listen to each other listening. And, but that was good. You know, we just listen to each other listen. Until all of a sudden, the lady broke in and said, Please deposit another dollar and fifty cents. And I'm digging around, you know, going clinkity 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 clinking. Okay, I'm back. And we just listen to each other, listen to each other. You know what I'm saying? I mean, love does some crazy things, doesn't it, sometimes? We're talking about loving out loud. That's a speaker, in case you didn't figure that out, you know. Loving out loud. That's what I'm talking about here. So when you fell in love, Something within you made you want to change your figure, you know, to watch your figure. And I try to get mine way out here so I can watch it better. It's easier to do it that way, you know? You know? You all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yes. You know, and, uh, you know, love makes us want to maybe change our language because it's offensive to someone. And we're willing to do that. And, And love helps us to adjust our priorities. And to be honest with you, Sometimes we just set an entirely different agenda. It changes us. And the same is true when we have a relationship with God. You know, and, and we genuinely love him. Love compels us to change, doesn't it? It compels us to, to change and it compels us to listen. Love compels us to, to become men and women who take action. That's what love does, and we begin to, to love out loud. It becomes obvious. Our love it, it, it's out loud, and it becomes obvious. Well, picking up here at Mark chapter 12, verse 31, it says, and here is the second. The guy said, well, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all that you have. And then he said, well, here's the second important one. And they're really about the same value. He says, and here is the second. Love others as well as you love yourself. Do you love yourself? It's kind of a tough question to answer, isn't it? You know, oh yeah, I just love myself. You know, I'm, how, how many ever got hungry? I'm going to tell you something, these little candies is not really doing it for me. <laughs> I ain't had no breakfast yet. Okay. What do you do when you get hungry? You go get something to eat. Have you ever gone through your house looking in every cupboard, looking in every refrigerator, and you can't find anything to eat? Have you ever done that? What do you do? Let's go to... I go to Wendy's. I love the Frosties there. I buy them two at a time. Okay, all right. But you know what I'm saying when you're hungry... In reality, you go get you something to eat. Is that right? If you're cold, what do you do? You get a jacket on, right? So, 
when he said here, and here is the second commandment, the second greatest command, love others as well as you love yourself. Now, sometimes I've done the very thing that y'all were talking about with you, and, and I, I, I think I'm perpetually hungry, you know. And I go looking, and, I, and say I'm allergic to wheat. So stuff they have in the house that they can eat, I can't eat it. So I go out in the pa- backyard and I pop a couple of squirrels. <laughs> you, you're laughing at me? Okay, you go to Burger King, I go to the base of my mountain. Am I teasing? So, the Bible says, love others as well as you love yourself. So, if someone is, is, is hungry, I go out and pop a couple of squirrels and give them to them. Is anybody here hungry? You're okay for right now, right? Okay. I got you. What's the squirrel taste like? Chicken. <laughs> Flying chicken, you know? Climbing chicken. I actually have 10 in the freezer right this moment, you know. I actually do. Squirrel season went out the last day of February, okay? I just had to make sure in case I got hungry the next month, I had something else to eat, okay? All right, okay. Uh, I I digress too much here, but... In 1989, Mother Teresa visited Phoenix to open a home for the destitute. During that brief visit, she was interviewed by KTAR, the largest radio station in the town. In a private moment, the announcer asked Mother Teresa if there was anything he could do for her. He was expecting her to request a contribution or media help to raise money, you know, for her new home for the impoverished people in Phoenix. Instead, she said to the announcer, she says, yes, there's something that you can do for me. And she said, find somebody nobody else loves and love them. Find somebody that nobody else loves and love them. That's what you can do for me. You think about it. Mother Teresa was not the first one who taught that concept. Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 40, he was talking about if somebody's cold, you give them some, some clothes if they're hungry, feed them if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. If they're sick, go and visit them and so forth and so on. And he goes on, he says, I'm telling, Jesus says, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things, to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Jesus takes it personal. When you love someone as well as you love for yourself, Jesus says, you was loving me. And we need to love out loud, even if it costs us something. Time and energy, our resources. Anyhow, picking back up over here at verse 32, Mark chapter 12, verse 32, it says, the religion scholar said, a wonderful answer, teacher. Ho, 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 a wonderful answer. 
so lucid, so, so clear and plain and, and simple. He said, a wonderful answer teacher, so lucid and, and accurate that God is one and, and there is no other. And loving him with all passion and intelligence and energy and loving others as well as you love yourself, why, why that's better than all offerings and sacrifices put together. It's better than all the obligation things we do. We can light incenses and smoke things up and do all kinds of traditional ceremonial kinds of things that's just empty and hollow. But if you don't do something that matters, when you love God with all your passion, you're going to love his people. And you're going to do things for his people wholeheartedly. And, and, and he said, and I can tell you this, if, if, if you find my, my kids broke down the side of the road and you stop and help them get their tire changed, you think you're helping me? I take that personal. I say, thank you. And when you do something for somebody else, Jesus takes it personal. That's what he's trying to tell us here. He takes it personal. And he's trying to redirect our focus, you see here. Now, Israel had lost their focus. I mean, their ceremonies were a huge part of their life and their rituals and all their formality kinds of stuff. But he says the most important thing is to love God with your all and then love your, your neighbor as well as you love yourself. John chapter 14, verse 21, it says, the person who knows my commandments and keeps him, that's who loves me. See, because talk is cheap. You can get some little guy somewhere whispering in this little girl's ear and going, I love you, and I want something from you, and I love you. Let me tell you something, talk is cheap. Do you know what I'm talking about? Talk is cheap. You can say I love you. It's just a way to get your own way. It says, the person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and make myself plain to him. The person who loves me and keeps my commands, my Father's going to love and I'm going to make myself plain. I'm going to reveal myself to that person. Let me read to you out of the Amplified Bible. It says, and I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. If, 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 if you say you love God and you have his commands and then you do what you read in this book, he says, now that's loving me. And, and I'm going to reveal myself. I'm going to make myself real to you. See, I'm going to tell you something. God is real. There ain't no lion and tiger and bear, oh my, ever going to eat me on my mountain, just so you know that. Because God's real. He's going to take care of me. Do you know that? He genuinely will. Oh, there'll come a time when I need to go to heaven, you know, but ain't going to be no lion, tiger, or bear eating me. I might be eating one of them, you know. But what I'm saying is God's going to take care of you. He's real. And he says... If you got my commands and you keep them, he says, 
I will make my, it's not that Pastor Ron's going to make God real to you, but God says, I'm going to make myself real to you. If, you. if you have my commands and you keep them, he said, I'm going to show up in your life and I'm going to blow your socks off. And ain't nobody can ever convince you that God ain't real because you know him in a real and a personal and intimate kind of way. That's what he's telling us. Anyhow, picking up in verse 22, John 14, it says, Judas, not the Judas Iscariot, you know, but there's another disciple named Judas. He said, said, Master, why is it that you're about to make yourself plain or reveal yourself to us, but not to the world? And Jesus says in verse 23, because a loveless world, said Jesus, is a sightless world. They're blind. They can't see. They don't love and they can't see. If anyone loves me, Anyone, if you say you love God, there's a way to tell if you love God or not. If anyone, man, woman, boy, girl, if anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word. And if you say, I love God, but you don't carefully keep his word, talk is cheap. We can say a lot of things that don't mean diddly. He says, if anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word, and my father will love him, and we'll move right into the neighborhood. How do you like the idea of God moving into your neighborhood? You think your neighborhood would improve? Absolutely. That's amazing. He says, if anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word, and my Father will love him and will move right into the neighborhood. Not loving me means not keeping my word. The message you are hearing isn't mine. It's the message of the Father who sent me. So, so how do we love a God when we can't actually see him with our natural eye, hear his audible voice necessarily, or, or touch him? Well, once again, let me read this verse 21 in John 14. The person who knows my commandments and keeps him, that's who loves me. The way we love God Oh, we can sing him songs, but we must do the things he's instructing us to do. Did I talk to you about which side of the road to drive on? Did I tell you that? So if you come from another country and you want to rent a car here, and they make it very clear to rent these cars, you have to remember you drive on the right side of the road in the United States. Is that some good advice? Now some people think, well, the Bible is just a bunch of rules and regulations. Well, let me tell you something. You can consider it's a rule and a regulation to drive on the right side of the road, but if you drive on the left side of the road on an interstate, you ain't going to survive. It's very good advice. It's very good instructions. We understand that. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. It says, Then Samuel said, Do you think... All God wants are sacrifices and empty rituals just for show? Does God just want you to light some little incense and put smoke all over the place? And that's like, oh, wow, that, that really impressed me, guys. <laughs> you think God's impressed with formality and rituals and all that kinds of stuff? No. The, the, the incense that he wants us to offer to him is our praises, our love for him, our, our adoration, if you would. But it says here, it says, he wants, it says, uh, let me back up here. Then Samuel said, do you think all God wants are sacrifices, empty rituals, and just for show? He wants you to listen to him, exclamation mark. 
Plain listening is the theme. Not staging a lavish religious production. He don't want a bunch of rules and ceremony and traditional uh, kinds of baloney. He wants you to listen to him and, and follow his instruction. That keeps you on the right road that he has destined for you, you see. Here's an awesome verse. It's worth just coming today just to hear this verse. It's found in Psalms, verse 37. It says, Take delight in material stuff and... Oh, wait a minute. What does that say? Take delight in the, the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. What's your heart's desire? Lots of times we find ourselves pursuing our heart's desire. We just pursue it and pursue it and pursue it, and it's elusive. We can never quite catch up. It's over the next hill. It's around the next curve, but we can't quite catch our heart's desire. But the Bible says, take delight. Love him with all your passion. Take delight. Take pleasure. Take joy in your relationship with the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. And I like the way it says it in the Message Bible. He says, keep company with God and get in on the best. It's about hanging out with God. I don't know if you do this about me, but I love hammocks. I got a whole pile of hammocks. Fifteen maybe or so. So when we got people come over, we just kind of hang out together. You know what I'm saying? We've done that before. Uh, this past week, I put up four hammocks in the, at the base of our mountain there, and all of us, Susan and James and Miracle and myself, we all had our own hammock. has a tarp on there. It's got a thermal rest in there. I mean, you can sleep in the wintertime in these hammocks. And we're just hanging out together, you know. And we didn't come into the house. We didn't spend the whole night there. But we stayed there until like 1 o'clock in the morning. And we just came in because we had busy things that we had to get up the next morning or whatever. But it was awesome. You ever hang out with God? You understand hanging out? I mean, are, are there people that you would like to hang out with? Is God one of those? See, if you know him, it is. But if you go, you don't really know him. Well, I don't want to hang out with God because he just makes me feel guilty and tell me what, how failure. I... You ain't hanging out with God if that's the way you come back. You ain't that way at all. God loves you. God is especially fond of you. He genuinely is. Okay, uh, one more verse. Okay, possibly two, just a little short one. <laughs> Psalms 27, verse 4. This is just getting ready to get good here. Psalms 27, 4, it says, I'm asking God for one thing. What if God said, I'm going to give you any one thing that you want? Think you could think of something? He says, I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing. And then he says, to live with him in his house my whole life long. The only thing I want is to live in his presence because it says in his presence is fullness of joy. We're fulfilled. We're satisfied. It just don't get no better. And he says, the only one thing I want is to live in with him in his house, to live with him in a relationship, not religion and rules and 
incense and stuff like that, but to live with him in his house, in his presence, my whole life long. To, to ramble around on the mountain with him and talk to him and sing to him and kneel down and, and just, just have a relationship with God. Tell him anything and everything that's in your heart. The good, the bad, the ugly. I'll, I'll contemplate his beauty and I'll study at his feet. Verse 5, that's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world in God's presence. The perfect getaway. Far from the buzz of traffic. Verse 6 says, God holds me. I can visualize this. God holds me head and shoulders above all who try to pull me down. God lifts me up. Keeps me away from those things that would try to hurt me. I'm headed for his place. I'm headed for his place to offer anthems. You know what an anthem is? It's just a, another way of saying songs of praise. I'm headed for his place. That's kind of what we did this morning. I'm headed for his place to offer songs of praise that will raise the roof. And you know what? Y'all can sing loud as you want to. If we raise the roof, we got carpenters who will fix it, okay? <laughs> that will raise the roof already. I'm singing God's songs. You ever sing God's songs? Other than when you're here? In your car, in your closet, and just walking around outside? You know, right now, you can sing outside. Ain't nobody going to hear you because their windows are really tight right now because it's cold. In the summertime, they may hear you, but, and they might think you're crazy, but they probably think you're crazy already. <laughs> already, I'm singing God songs. I'm making music to God. You see that verse there? This is awesome. Because God loves us so much, you can't... That's what worship is. Worship is our heart responding to God's heart. It's, it's, it's loving Him with passion. Because how much He loves us and what He's done for us. Uh, as... A.W. Tozer said, we are called to an everlasting preoccupation with God. You understand preoccupation? You know, you, you've been working hard on dinner, and you holler in the, to the, the, the living room there, you go, honey, dinner's ready. No honey shows up, you know? You go in there, and you see he is preoccupied. Usually with the newspaper now, it's probably the iPad or something. He's reading his news there. He's going to town and he's going, oh, honey, uh, dinner's ready. I said dinner is ready. Why do you have it? Because he's preoccupied with something else. Let us become preoccupied with God. God has called you and me to an everlasting preoccupation with him. And if you'll delight and get preoccupied with God, he'll grant you the desires of your heart. That's what he promises in his word. And he does everything that he's ever promised. Do you believe that he's forgiven you? Do you believe that he'll supply all your needs? I mean, we're talking about things in his word. Do you think that God really values you? Think about this for a moment. Do you think that God has given you eternal life? That he's written your name in the book of life? Do you think that God loves you? We can make a list of 10,000 things that we would answer yes to, and you go, no wonder I love you so much. Everything that is good, everything that I can see or imagine, it all belongs to him. 
and he loves me. And he said, if I'll hang out with him, if I'll delight myself in him, he will grant me the desires of my heart. So much of the time we pursue stuff. And if we do get it, it don't satisfy us. We pursue stuff and it's elusive. But when you pursue God, preoccupied with God, it blows your thoughts right off. But there's something you got to remember. Alexander the Great, phenomenal warrior. He was with his men one day and he was getting ready to get on his horse that was saddled there. And the horse reared up and took off, got away from him. A private who was in formation, stepped out of formation, grabbed the horse, brought him under control, and walked him back to Alexander the Great. He says, here you are, sir. He said, thank you, Captain. Did, did you catch that? Private broke the ranks, grabbed the horse, delivered him back to Alexander the Great. Alexander said, thank you, Captain. That man went straight and changed his uniform, got an officer's uniform, moved into the officer's quarters. Why? Because he believed what Alexander the Great said. Do you believe what God says about you? If you do, it changes us. And he said, you're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're the child of Almighty God. That's what he says in this book. Do we believe it? Yes. Are we going to listen to the lies that the devil whispers in our little ears at times? We're not going to listen to what the devil says. Let's see, I think I have one more teeny tiny scripture to read to you, okay? It won't take more than a minute to read this one, and the other one is only going to take 30 seconds. <laughs> Psalms 84, verse 10, it says, a single day in your courts. A single day, the psalmist said, in your presence is better than a thousand days anywhere else. He says, I would rather be the gatekeeper. It's like a doorkeeper. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than to live the good life in the homes of the wicked. One day in the presence of Almighty God is is, is so awesome and fantastic and more life-changing than going a, on a thousand-day vacation, all expenses paid to anywhere you want in the world. That can I think don't compare to living in the presence of Almighty God for one day. No, no wonder a person will go wandering around up on a mountain in the dark at nine degrees. Do you love God? Do you pursue him with a passion? Do you love him with a passion? Are you going to make time? So I just don't have time. There's a lot of times we don't have, there's a lot of things we don't have time for. Is that right? But if it's important, you make time anyhow, don't you? If it's important, you make time for what's important to you. Last verse. It says in 1 John 3, 1, it says, What marvelous love. The Father has extended. Another translation says that the Father has lavished. Another translation says that the Father has bestowed. What marvelous love the Father has extended, lavished, bestowed to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. 
And that's who we really are. And you don't never need to be ashamed to love God out loud. Uh, let me give you an illustration as we close. Imagine you've gone out to eat your dinner at a restaurant somewhere. Are you ashamed of God? No. So if you're normally used to praying and thanking God for your food, at the restaurant first you look left, then you look right. Make sure the waitress doesn't come up while you're praying. You go, Lord, bless our food and sanctify us in our bodies. Amen. Let me tell you, when you're confident of who you are and that you love God out loud, and you go, Father, thank you for this food that you provided us with. And Lord, please bless this restaurant here and bless the little girl who's serving us here today. In Jesus' name. And then that little girl comes up with your drinks. And she says, thank you so much. I heard you. And I'm going through a real difficult time right now. And I could use all the prayer you could give. Love God out. And I would venture, don't you dare leave that girl a track unless you leave like a $20 bill with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? She's going to be evicted and put out of her house. She don't know how she's going to take care of her kids. And you leave her a track that says, God loves you. And she's like, how am I going to pay my bills? You leave her a track and you leave her a good tip. $20 bill is a good tip when you only bought a cup of coffee. You know, love God out loud and love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for loving us out loud. We thank you that you've never been ashamed of us. You loved us out loud. You've forgiven us when we need it and you've healed us and you've provided and you've taken care of us so many times that we were even unaware of. Thank you for, Father, being the way you are with us. Forgive us for the times that we've let you down. We know we have and thank you for being so merciful and so gracious. As our heads are bowed, would you Join me in a simple prayer just to reaffirm your faith in Christ. And if you're here today and you've never welcomed Jesus into your life, would you pray with us and let him come in today? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me out loud. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. I believe he died on a cross. He shed his blood and he washed my sins away. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide the door and I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my soon coming King. In Jesus' name.
You know, if uh, you prayed with us just now and you welcome Christ in your life, please stop at the Connections desk on your way out. Pick up a little gift bag. It's got a Bible and some other goodies that will inspire you. If you're a guest with us, stop back there and say, I'm a guest. We've got a beautiful little gift for you. One of our ways of saying thanks for coming. We hope you come back. There'll be some folks here around the altar who would love to pray with you. And I'm going to tell you, God loves us out loud. And he does answer prayer. So if you need some prayer, stop up here. Let some folks pray with you. Would you greet one another on your way out? God bless you. You are, wait, wait. Don't forget to look at your connections card that says, I am determined to spend time with God and to strengthen my relationship with him. I am determined to learn to love him and others out loud. If you agree with that, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. Now you're dismissed.